And uh, they're going to, David, they're going to need that disclaimer this week. They're going to enjoy the fact that they played that disclaimer. What do you think? I have no idea what you just said, Brett, because we were still listening to the fight song. Ah, oh, for heaven's sakes. Well, let's welcome everybody again. <laughs> I am remote, obviously, as it seems to be once a month. Uh, I'm in Park City. This is a new one for us, my friend. I think we're trying to hit all 50 states over 19 years. But I said they're, they're going to need, they're going to be happy they played that disclaimer before the show today. Oh, yes. Because you never know where we're going to go with this. Um, <laughs> I... I think, uh, well, I think uh, the reflection of so many Hawkeye fans, it's finally gotten to me too, as well. And and, um, and not trying to be funny, we, we probably won't uh, lace our commentary with too much, uh, too many four-letter words. But, boy, my opinion right now is that uh, we have somebody who is extremely stubborn, disappointingly so, because I've known the man for 20 years. And I, I, I feel like Kirk Ferentz has decided he's going to dig his heels in and he's okay sinking the ship because he's going to prove he's right. And I'm saying that right off the top of the show. Iowa loses the game 9-6 nine, nine to six at Illinois the other night. Um, I think Tory Breck said it on Hawk, Hawkeye um, Report today in his weekly column. This is at a point now where, what is the word? It is absurd, absolutely absurd. There, there has been no attempt to try to switch up some personnel and see if that can help the Iowa offense. It's absurd. It, it, it goes to the point of and – it, and it's making Iowa, frankly, the laughing stock of college football. We have columnists all over the country that are bagging on the nepotism and the ineptness of this Iowa offense and the coaching staff. And as much as I've always wanted to defend the guy – at this point, there's no defense left. Well, there's absolutely no defense left. And, and, you know, what happens when proactive athletic departments get involved, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Rutgers, for God's sakes. Rutgers, yes. Rut- Rutgers has fired their offensive coordinator. Iowa has scored 88 points in six games, which, just in case you can't do that math, is less than 15 a game. And that's loud. And nevertheless, <laughs> it's so it's so disheartening. Somebody put out a thing where had Iowa scored 21 points in the last six years, it was six more wins. I mean, we were we were approaching you know 82 percent win percentage or something like that. And it is beyond frustrating. I spoke to a very highly regarded ex-football player yesterday and asked him, and I'm not going to say who it is because I didn't tell him I was anything other than who I am. And I asked him, I said, what is the answer? And he goes, there's only one answer, and that's to fire Brian. And I said, how do you end up firing Brian when, when the only guy who can fire Brian is the athletic director, right? I mean, presumably, unless he would fall on a sword. And he, he certainly doesn't appear that that that's going to happen so i would love to see without them firing brian perhaps what chad listikow said which is exactly what i was thinking and that is fire the offensive line coach move brian back there and then bring in the the old offensive coordinator from wisconsin who's 
working for you as a consultant, whatever that means, let him call plays because they can't be any worse. And for God's sakes, change a quarterback just so Spencer Petras doesn't go on, you know, Social Security disability at age 22. Yeah, so I think that it's funny that a player would say that the, that the only answer is to fire Brian. I think that, that uh, clearly the play calling at this point that he gets to do within the system is a problem, right? It's, it's bigger than a problem. I mean, the, the end around the other night that was, I think, going to be a pass when they were ready to try to score and it ended up losing, what, 5, 10, 15 yards. It's just he makes these weird, odd, strange calls. And then again, I don't think that's I don't think it's him that on the first drive of the game, I, I really don't believe that's Brian Ferentz that called for a draw up the middle on third and 14 to open the game on third and goal from the 14-yard line. There's no way that anybody that wants to try to be an offensive coordinator would say, we're going to take a knee. They may as well have taken a doggone knee. I almost threw a four-letter word in there, David. I know. You, uh, they, uh, they, mixed, they, mixed. They, I mean, they may, literally, it, it's third and 14. You take a shot to the end zone or fall on the ball, one of the two. But a draw up the middle is the same as falling on the football. And that's not Brian. That's Kirk. So the only answer here is the only change, because he won't change his quarterback either, and we've heard rumblings that everybody wants him to, but Kirk won't. It's Kirk. The only so, answer here is to fire that guy. And I don't want to say it that way, but that's so the you way want it to fight, is. So you want to fire answer. the most successful football coach in Iowa history because you're pissed off of the way this season's going. No, uh, here's another Here's another. No, that's just what you said. I'm just confirming. Uh, I know, that. I know, I know. Let's, so let's dive into this. Because so it's the only answer right now. If you fire Brian, you're still going to get the same offense. You're still going to get the same conservative call on third and 14 because that's what he's allowed to do. It doesn't matter who you bring in. Greg Davis. Uh, okay. Can uh, I disagree? You, you bring, just stop. Can, just stop. Well, I've listened to you for eight minutes. Okay. You can, let me make the point. Then you can disagree. You can bring in Ken O'Keefe. You can bring in Greg Davis. You can bring anybody you want in. They're going to run the same offense, and Spencer Petras is going to be your quarterback. And on top of that, you're going to be you're you're going to be forced to run the same calls because I cannot believe that he that 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 Brian Ferentz, with as much as he likes to get cute running the end around, called for a draw play up the middle on third and goal from the 14. You you're telling me that wasn't Kirk. I'm I'm telling you it wasn't Kirk. I'm telling you that they script the plays and he can't get off the script. And then the moment that he does, then things start going down his leg, and it's and that's that's the part where it's disappointing. I think he panics. And he goes, okay, let's, we got down here running some normal Iowa offensive plays. Let's, let's fool them now that we have no room to run. And they, and they have a shorter field. He's run three reverses inside the 20 this year, and every single one is, is lost yardage. Don't tell me it's Kirk, okay? Mm. Did Kirk call mm. a draw on third and 14? I absolutely do not think so. I don't think oh, I Brian do. has. I think Brian has no confidence that his quarterback can throw the ball down the field and find a wide receiver because he doesn't think they have any wide receivers that can run right now. I agree with that. I agree and, with that. And and so because he thinks that, that's why he's not doing it. It's not because Kirk Ferentz is going. Oh, we're not going to throw the ball down the field and calling a, a draw on third and fourteen. Good Lord, Hayden used to do that all the time. All right, and hey, we sat hey, in the sta- hey. We sat in the stands and got mad at him too. But the point yep. is this, 
Kirk isn't overriding. Brian's calling all these plays. This is on Brian. It's all on Brian. It may be Kirk Ferentz's offense. He's not calling the plays. Brian Ferentz is. Brian Ferentz is the only one who's got the freaking sheet in front of him and is looking at it and, and figuring out, well, what should we do? And then when Spencer comes off and he's just been killed, looks at Spencer and starts laughing with him or at him. I don't know what he's doing. But yeah, it sure, didn't look, like, it sure didn't look to me like he was coaching him. Yeah, okay. What was that? I, so, I, I, so, somebody has to during this period of time where we are off, they have to make a decision that says, for the betterment of the program, Brian, you're going to fall on the sword. You're going to get a severance. Adios, whatever it might be. And if you want to restructure it and fire the offensive line guy and bring Brian down there and, and move this John Boschrotz or whatever his name is from Wisconsin. Or maybe Copeland, the wide receiver coach. Or, I don't know, give Liddell, Liddell Betts an opportunity. Somebody, anybody, call Ken O'Keefe back, right? He's still in the building. Paul Christ is available. Paul Christ, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, good Lord, call I, Scott see, Frost, see if he wants to call plays. Their offense yeah, was okay. See, you and I are going to disagree on this, and people, and actually that's fine because this is why we do this show. I, I believe – that the draw play on third and goal from the 14 stops and ends with Kirk. That's his philosophy. It's been that way. You agree? I agree. Hayden did it from time to time too. But I believe that 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 Brian working within the scripted plays probably, and I believe that that's Kirk. I also believe that was if, it Kirk if who called fire, a rollout to the left? Uh, no, was first and goal no, from the no. four and had the no, ball no, thrown no, in the I, feet I of the wide of the I running agree. back who's yes. walking in. Yes. Was that There's was that both, Kirk or was that Brian? Both. Yeah, they're both culpable. And on top of that, so I would say this. If he won't fire his son because he, he doesn't want to fire can't. his son. He can't. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, actually, they went through this the other day. So this is, you know, it, we've, we've heard this from, and Tom even said this last week. That's largely a sham, right? He can fire him if he wants. At the end of the day, Gary Barta looks as bad as anybody in some of this because he, he's sitting there smiling with the Oshuck stuff too. You know, the one thing I will defend Kirk on is, you know, he gave some sort of curt and, and probably um, irresponsible answers in the post-game press conference when people have started to actually, for the first time, really drive home some, some hard questions to him. He says, well, we won 10 games last year. Yes, you did. You also won 10 games because you blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown against Nebraska, or you don't win that game. You returned two plays for touchdowns against Iowa State. You, re, you know, you had... You didn't beat Minnesota unless you return a kickoff for a touchdown. You know, you had special teams and defense that were doing that for you. Your offense has been putrid. And so to then suggest that you won 10 games because of that offense was silly. On the other hand, he just lost 9-6, to six and he's pretty ticked off and pissed off too, right? Of so course he, he is. he was probably not in the mood to answer those questions. And I understand if he gave a curt and short answer to that. However, his answer was incorrect. We've been defending him for those same reasons. And if you go back and look, if Iowa doesn't have some of the best special teams and defense in the country, they go six and six last year. Well, right? How Maybe, about how about this, right? Brett? Okay, they're thirteen and seven in their last twenty, but they're seven and seven in their last fourteen. All right, exactly. We have, we have scored less than ten points in four of those games. How is that well, even possible so, in today's college so football? How is it did possible? Somebody did, uh, you know, just a fan. Yeah, no, I, I saw Report, it. Did, did you see the, the, it was a, 
there was a, an analysis of Iowa versus teams with eight wins or more since 2015. Because we right. like to go back to 2015, right? And Iowa against teams with eight wins or more, eight wins or more is 15%. That's less than one out of five games that they win. Teams that are going to bowl games at six wins, they win 25% of the time. So of all those wins that we're so proud of, and Kirk's so proud of, and we should be, 75% of them are teams that aren't going to bowl games. Okay? So at the end of the day, they're beating bad football teams, and they're calling that success. I take that as success as well. However, every once in a while, you have to go back and look and say, wait a minute, shouldn't we, if we actually are in the top 10% of college football and wins, shouldn't we also be beating the eight-win teams at a 50% clip, a 40% clip, but 20, you know, 15%? Are you kidding me? So I, 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 it's fine to go back and look at your record, but at some point in time, and now when I read, I, I don't remember what weird oh my God. website just wrote this, this thing about, about the nepotism deal, right? There's a whole, horrible article out there about it. Did you read it? No. Um, okay. Well, they, they brought I, – I, Dude, I'm it, a product all, of nepotism, okay? I understand right, it. Right, I understand right, it way I, better I, than right, most of anyone. Right. Okay? So th- this, is a prob- this is a problem, right? This has become a national story. And it, and I, and I don't, and we, we don't, it's, it's, we, I even, I can't say it's unfair, but it's a national story that we don't need. We don't want. So it's one thing to lose football games. It's another thing to have that people all over the country thinking you're losing football games because of this. It's really frustrating. I guess this is our therapy time. And you and I want to talk basketball later in the show. Apparently it's your therapy because, you know, (laughs) let me ask you this. Of those games that we won, the 15%, how many did we actually play against teams that won eight or more games? Was it 30 or was it eight? Because if you're telling me we won won one out of eight, that's 12.5%, okay? It's going to be, yeah, I think it was. I mean, how much is it? It's like, it was somewhere like, it was somewhere, there was. There was 87% there. of all statistics right. are made up. <laughs> My point is this. You've got, hey, I can make, I can make a bird sing if you want me to. We've got to reflect on where, where we really are. Well, right? And I don't, where I, we, so you want to know where we are? I don't want to we're, we're a football team that starts four sophomores and a freshman on the offensive line. And the only experienced player we have is currently our, our worst performer. And he happens to play quarterback, and our reluctance to change everyone else out of the out of the offense. Every single person, if that's your computer, dude, turn it off. Every Never single mind. person who is played on offense, except a quarterback, someone has been replaced. It it doesn't take literally a rocket scientist. It, I'm sitting with two of my bestest, drunkest friends. Right now, they're not there yet, but th- by the end of the day, they might be. And they can tell you we need a different quarterback. To at least try it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 no, there, there's, there's no question. If, if, if Kirk can see his way to understanding that Brian needs to go, we need to change there, and that this, this I love the word absurdity of, with, quarterback, with the quarterback um, possibilities, then – I'm fine. I, I, you know, we win, we win these games. We go, we enjoy, we win close games. I'm okay with that. 
maybe you don't beat a ton of great teams. However, you can't bank on your success if you're not willing to make those changes. That's right. All right, we'll come back. we got Tom Kakert on the other side. We're going to start talking basketball, Big Ten Media Day today as well for basketball, and that's coming up on the Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 101.3 FM. Welcome back. Hawkeye Huddle live from the G-Migs 5th Street Pub. Beautiful night here on the patio. Sun's going down quicker, if you haven't noticed. So get out here. They do have heaters, the portable heaters, which do keep it nice and warm. I want to thank our cyclone friends of the huddle who are here tonight, encouraging me not to kill Brett Rich. And it wouldn't be much of a show without him, so we'll keep me out of prison and not do that. But in the interim, Tom, I get Tom Kaker from HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, thank you so much for continuing to join us in spite of both of our both of the hosts. Welcome back. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Is Ridge there tonight? Well, he's in Park City, Utah, and because we have not mastered the art of two people on the telephone at one time, it's just going to be you and me having a fairly civil conversation, Tom. Okay. I um, I was a little worried about I've been a little worried about Mr. Ridge. Well, I can assure you that Saturday night after the game ended very, very briefly after, and he walked out on his tab, which stuck it with the rest of us who were here. I'm saying that publicly. <laughs> well, well, only part that's of it. Not good. Anyway, anyway, these things happen, right? So his emotions got yeah. the best of him. Things got things got uh, discombu- discomb. You know what I mean? And uh, and he's. He's emotional. He loved Tuesday with Torby's column today, which I did too. Um, yeah. And the only thing that I really think that is I, is I sit here and I, you know, I'm going to be emotional as well. But I, I'm going to be like the thing where there's only one thing we're missing, and that's some assemblance of common sense right now when it comes to the Iowa football program. And I mean, if everything is obvious to everyone else and there's only two people in the in the world who don't see it, how can that be wrong? Uh, I would disagree with that. I, I think they know, too. Okay. I don't think their heads are in the sand that they think everything is, is uh, Shangri-La. I, I, I don't think that at all. Okay. Um, they know that there's – they know that there's problems and there's issues. But – you they know, don't the, see a good the, way out of thing, it. Yeah, there's just there's no easy way out, as uh, as they said in Rocky Four, right? <laughs> I think that was that was correct. There's no easy way out. There's no shortcut home. Yes, that was it. Yeah. There you go. I uh, I had the pleasure of talking to a guy that you know, and and I'm not going to say who he was. And I asked him what his thoughts were, and basically he said we have we have to fire Brian. In order to have that change, we have to make the change at offensive coordinator. And, you know, I'm saying, okay, that sounds good. I, Rutgers did it. Nebraska got rid of the head coach. Wisconsin got rid of the head coach. Um, I suspect that any other Power 5 conference or Power 5 school outside of the state of Iowa might get rid of their offensive coordinators. Um, but it just – it seems like we're – he had a chance. You know, it's – Tom, I really think this – Kirk had a chance in the summer when Ken O'Keefe decided 
to move on or, or whatever it was, to go outside outside the box, outside of the confines of Fort Kinnick and, and find somebody to be the offensive coordinator, whoever that may be, to kind of come in to try and run his offense but add their own flair to it. And he didn't do it, and so he's boxed himself in. I think that's ultimately where, where we're at. I've I've always I've always been since Brian was since Greg Davis resigned. I've always believed that Brian was the only one that could get Kirk to really expand things, because I think he could get by with it, um, and and probably wouldn't be all that intimidated by it. Um, you know, trying to push the boundaries a little bit, and even he hasn't been able to do that. So. I, I don't know that there's anybody that would come in from the outside because Kirk has a philosophy. He ha- we've seen it for um, 24 every years. season that he has, <laughs> yeah, that he's been at Iowa. We've he has a style of play that he likes to use, and with the exception of probably you know O two, but even the, you know that was more Brad Banks, um, and then. Um, 05 with Drew Tate. Yeah, 04, right. Yeah, 04. Yeah, 04 with uh, when they ran out of running backs. You know, they didn't have any running backs. That's that's the only other time that that they've really deviated from kind of what what you would call like Ferentz ball, I guess. You know, but, just, just grind it out football. You know, when they had Ricky, though, they would take chances. When they had C.J. Beathard, they were taking chances. Um and you and I were in Chicago last year when, when, um, oh, good Lord, Spencer got hurt and Alex Padilla came in and immediately the offense just ran at a quicker pace. It got a spark. Now, he was throwing the ball down the field. Keegan Johnson was on the field making plays. We don't have Keegan right now. We may not even have Arlen Bruce at 100%. I, I don't think he's completely healthy. I, you may know no, better he's, than me. He's, every time he goes off the field, he hops on a bike. Yeah, so he's trying to oh. stay loose, and he's got a twinge. And, you know, Brody Brecht hasn't proven that he can be an effective uh, down-the-field wide receiver. And the freshman, we haven't even had a chance to see him yet. And uh, we're getting to the point where those freshmen could get in play four games and not even lose a year of eligibility. I mean, what do you got? Yeah, Two more games? They've got, you... you know, Jacob Bostic did travel with them this week, so right. he's getting close. Deontay Vines getting close. Uh, I think he'll be prepared and ready to go and available for the uh, Ohio State game. I think Bostic and, and Vines up, to, up and running and maybe helping him a little bit, right. perhaps that. That improves things, but there's still, I mean, you know, I know Spencer's not the most mobile guy in the world, but yeah, you got, you I don't still care block. if you would have had, I don't care if you would have had Mike Vick back there. Um, he wasn't escaping some of the, I mean, some of those, they just anticipated the snap count went right by people. I mean, right, and, right. I mean, uh, he didn't even get to his back foot. The point well, to throw. Yeah, I'm almost to the point where I, <laughs> frankly, I think we should run every play out of the shotgun, and yeah. and and I don't disagree. We, we we can run our where our running plays out of the shotgun, and we can certainly run our passing plays out of the shotgun, and we don't have to 
We can even do play action. We can fake it. <laughs> we can do whatever you want. But let's just give Spencer, I don't know, four more steps that he doesn't have to take and, and start the scanning, you know, of the field. And how, how about this? Whenever we want a quarterback sneak, we'll go back under center. And we'll just tell everybody we're going to sneak it <laughs> or whatever it might be. But anyway. It's, so It's not you, a terrible idea. You don't you don't particularly think that there anything's going to happen here in the next two weeks that would would uh, shock Ew. the world. Yeah. Okay. No. I have I have a question that I don't know that I've seen answered. When Petrus got late hit in the, I think it was in the second half. I think it was in the third quarter. Did you think that he should have come out just at least for one play uh, to check him? Um, he. He said that he was checked on the field while they were reviewing things. He got checked by the doctors. Oh, okay. Yeah, he got okay. checked on the field. So, so there was there was an on. I didn't realize that you could you could do that. I because it it felt like to me that while they were doing the review, that even if that were the case and you were injured, you would still have to miss one play. But no, apparently not. No, because he, he, he clearly so the, didn't. The, yeah, somebody came out, checked him out. He was like, "I'm, I'm fine." They asked him a couple questions. He was fine, and on right. he went. Yeah, I saw a kid get uh, concussed, concussed in high school. We were playing football. The question that was posed to him is, "Who's the president?" And I looked at the trainer. And I said, "You need to ask him a question. He might know the answer to." <laughs> That's neither. Here. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure Spence Peaches knows who the president is. At any rate, so let's change gears a little bit. We had, we've had basketball media day. We had Big Ten basketball media day up in Minneapolis. You're, you're not up yep. there, are you? No. Okay. Um, apparently some gnashing of teeth by national media because they went to Minneapolis instead of Chicago or Indy. What's the deal with that? What's wrong with Minneapolis? Um, there's nothing wrong with it. They just did it in the place where they're going to have the Big Ten tournament. So that's ah, what they were doing. I see. So. I see. Well, I thought it was pretty neat they did both the men and the women at the same time up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're going to have both the tournaments up there. So it just makes sense. And you, know, you kind of do two birds, one stone, and you get more people there to for exposure to women's basketball. So I thought it was awesome. So – Caitlin Clark is one of five, am I right on this, five Nike NIL deals that they're doing and that's it? Yep. Yep. That's this year for Nike basketball. They're doing um, five. One of them is uh, Bronny James. So, right. you know, perhaps the most famous high school player in uh, in America. So Since yeah, his dad. He's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, people know him from his dad. Who are the Who yeah, are the other famous? Who are the other three? Um, I, I think one of them was like, I think Haley Jones, the player from Stanford, okay. uh, women's player from Stanford. I can't remember who the other two are. That's all right. I wasn't but, trying to test you on your Nike NIL. No, coach. I just I, I I just remember Haley Jones and Bronny James. And, yeah, I just I just know. thought the the fact that Caitlin Clark was one of those fives was extraordinarily cool for for her, for Lisa it's Bluter so cool. and and, and I mean, the women's in the entire women's program. And and if you get a chance, go online today. Um, 
This uh, is true. Caitlin this is funny. asked Lisa Bluter a question at the at the press conference today too. So I thought that was just extraordinarily fun. That she it was, was able to do that. Caitlin Clark, uh, University of Iowa, actually played point guard for you. <laughs> that she went on to ask her yeah. some questions. That was that was very neat. I did get to see that as well. So on the men's side, it sounds like Tony Perkins is ready to go hoop, <laughs> and is bringing a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of dog with him uh, for this year, and that's exciting. I think that's something that we saw towards the end of last year when he got in. He he brought a lot of toughness uh, to the basketball team. And I'm excited to see that. Honestly, I mean, if if Sanford comes in and plays the role of Jordan Bohannon and and is able to make those shots, there's not a tremendous amount of difference between the, this team and last year's team, is there? It's going to be interesting what they go to with the, with the starting lineup in terms of point guard and uh, two guard. Because Fran does have a lot of options. He really does. No question. Because um, you could go you could go with a, a lineup. You could potentially play Tony Perkins at the one with Peyton Sanford at the two as a starter. Um, that, that would be you interesting. Could, you could play Chris Murray at the five with Peyton Sanford at the, at the four, too. I mean, um, so, I know Peyton, said, told, Peyton told me he's been playing some four. Wow. So where do you put he's, Patrick? He's then? almost. He, he always... he's, I think he's six nine now. I wow. honestly think he's six nine. Is he? So he's probably almost as tall, if not taller, than Patrick. And Patrick's going to play the three, I guess. And yeah. my favorite number four guy, frankly, is Connor because I think he's so so annoying to whomever he's guarding. That yeah, he's. He... I I I said he's he's Iowa's Draymond Green. Oh no yeah. question! Hopefully without the punching. actual, without the actual punching, punching of his teammates. teammates, yeah, yeah, he's not punching his teammates, but but he just he can guard just about any player on the floor, and on the offensive side, he's not a great shooter, but he's going to get shots for everybody else and make life even easier for everyone else. No question about that. So, Tom, we're doing these top five things after your segment. Name the top, one of your top one or two men's basketball non-conference wins since Dr. Tom. Ooh, good question. Um, I'd say the the um, Iowa win uh, at North Carolina with Fran. Uh-huh. That was with I, Mikey I think, Gazelle and Woodbury, right? Mike Gazelle and Woodbury and, and Gazelle Duncan, and they're playing Marcus Page. Right. Um. But you know what? Uh, the, other, the other one I'd say is Steve Alford's first game. Yep, yep. That's on that's on my list too. Yeah, where they beat the number one ranked defending champion UConn Huskies in Madison Square yep. Garden. Khalid was, El Amin. Yes, and that was Alford's only big win. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Outside the Big Ten yep. Conference champions. Tom, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Enjoy the bye week. Talk to okay. you next week. Thanks. Yep. Back in a minute. Hawkeye huddle. Welcome back, everyone. Hawkeye Huddle. Big round of applause for the uh, steak night folks here at G-Megs. Yay. want to thank our other great sponsors, the great, wonderful Angie Lancaster. Wave it at me right now. Thank you, Angie. Appreciate your support. Brian Howe, Key Mortgage. Our friends at AMPM Plumbing, G-Megs, of course. And the great Brett Ridge, who's back on the line with us. 
great term used very loosely. But you're back. Can you hear me, my friend? You're a little light this time around. I can't pick you up All right, much. I'm help. getting the fact that you're cueing me. So as long as they've got you in the studio, we're good to go. We're good. Um, I, I, and I only caught, uh, I missed the first four or five minutes of your conversation with Tom. Someday we're going to figure out how to get us all on the phone together. Um, but um, I, I like the fact that you got into basketball uh, as we, as we um, turn things uh, this week with no football game. It's nice to talk a little bit of hoops, particularly with what should be really a lot of excitement around going into this season. Uh, all of the returning players on the men's side, and then, of course, you know, three, three starters returning, all kinds of talent there. Uh, Chris Murray now, you know, being looked at as a possible preseason All-American, certainly All-Big Ten player. And then you get into the women's side, you return all five starters from that team last year that won the Big Ten regular season and, uh, and postseason championship. And then, of course, uh, they've got some good transfers coming in, some exciting freshmen. There's going to be a lot of fun with the basketball programs uh, this winter, I hope, right? I I certainly can't see the women's team um, fading with all those players. You know, they did lose a couple of, they did lose a couple of folks. uh, Tomi Taiwu, I know she transferred, saw that, you know, she probably wasn't going to start, wanted to see where she could go, but they brought in uh, uh, somebody from central Michigan. Oh, what's, what's her name? Um, I think it's Molly Davis from Central Michigan, who started for them, was all Mac and will play a lot of guard. Um, and, and they got Hannah Stolke from Cedar Rapids, the top 50 player. Taylor, uh, um, oh, what's her last name, from, from Nebraska, was all-time three-point shooting champ. They're going to have a great team, and it's going to be fun. We did, and I heard you talk to Tom, we did want to talk about men's basketball. And the, the thing that kicked off this discussion between you and me was this, and, and Fran said it today, he said, I'm confident in this team. And I would not challenge them with a schedule like this in the non-conference if I wasn't. So here's, let's look real quick. They've got, in the non-conference, they've got Seton Hall, right, uh, in New Jersey. They've got Clemson in nice little Florida in, the, uh, in that Emerald Coast Classic. And then uh, win or lose, they play Cal or TCU. They've got Georgia Tech in Iowa City for the ACC Challenge. And then they head off to the Jimmy V Classic in, in uh New York against Duke, and then come home to uh, Iowa City to play Iowa State. Oh, yeah, by the way, then right after that, they've got Wisconsin to kick off the Big Ten slate in December. That's all in November and December. Uh, An incredible opening slate of basketball games for them. And that's what got us started thinking a little bit about what are some of the best non-conference victories that we can remember. Um, And I'll let you go ahead and start. I know Tom threw out a couple that were already on my list, but I've got more that I can throw in there. In, in, the, in terms of memories, and this is, of course, our top, our Fifth Street Five brought to you uh, in, in honor of the folks there on Fifth Street in uh, Valley Junction uh, by Private Asset Wealth Management, and uh, we, we appreciate their support as well. So go ahead, throw, throw a couple more top fives out there for me. Well, I want to talk about the, the wins against North Carolina. I'm kind of lumping these all together. There was the Gazelle in Woodbury. There was one, I believe, with Chris Street on the team. And there was one, Wet Bruce reminded me, where we, Eddie Horton got fouled and we sent Roy Marble to the line and in, in beat Carolina down there. Yeah, that, so yes, uh, I, I kind of forgot about beating Carolina at home, which is weird because I was there for that one. 
and then we did. We had the it was it was actually the the uh, the uh, the marble to the line. When you're saying that was me, yep. And so that the, those North Carolina wins have all been big. And obviously, you know the fact that you've won twice at North Carolina, and I that's amazing. And I think back then. When they won with that Tom Davis team, I'm not sure how many teams had actually come in there and won out of a non-conference. It was a very early uh, in the Dean Dome era for that one. That was big. So that's no on my question. list as well. And co- combine those. That's a good way to go with that. And so this, the first thing that came to my mind was the Great Alaska Shootout right when Dr. Tom got there. We, we beat the Alaska Anchorage Seawolves in the opening game. And then we played North Carolina State, who was uh, – Jim Valvano was still the coach. They had won the national championship, I think, two years prior. And were they were rated, you know, in the teens. And Iowa was down like 14 points with two minutes, two, two minutes and 15 seconds ago and came back, tied the game, sent it to overtime and won, and then beat Northeastern, which doesn't sound like much until you remi- were reminded that Reggie Lewis played on the Northeastern basketball team. Those three games I put into one. Uh, is an incredible way to start off the Dr. Tom era. Yeah, as they were down 17 uh, to North Carolina State, actually, for two and a half minutes ago. Amazing comeback. Uh, and so I, I, I agree that those are memorable. Do you remember that they actually, so I, I, I'm going to combine the two Kansas wins. So they Ooh. got Kansas. Um, they got Kansas. Not only did they get them in Maui, the year after they won the national championship to win the, uh, win the Maui, uh, um, what do you call it? The, the Maui classic, yeah, great Maui classic or whatever it's called. Right. Right. And, right. But they also got them in Dr. Tom's last year. And broke, I believe it was a 60, 63 game winning streak non-conference for Kansas again, down like 19. And yeah, Kent McCausland went nuts. Joey range was on that team. I don't think he stuck around too long, but he was part of that. And that team came from way behind to win that game right at the end. So those Kansas wins go in there, I think, uh, along with the Hawaii win or, or with, with the uh, yeah, North Carolina that, wins for me. That's yeah. that's a real that's a real good call. I threw in the okay. Oregon UConn MG at Madison Square Garden 2K Classic in 2018-2019. and I, I like those. I think Oregon was overrated um, a couple of years ago when we played those games. UConn wasn't very good, so Oregon I'm, came I'm, back. They're and, memorable. And got to the elite. They got better. They year. did. They, right, right. They ended up being a lot better. They ended up being a lot better. So those were really good wins, and Iowa won those games handily. I threw in. Do you remember the year that Pierre Pierce got arrested and all that stuff happened to him? Iowa started out the year on fire, and they went down and they beat Missouri the first year Missouri played in their new arena. Um, and they beat Missouri by 20 points on the road. Missouri was number one that year, and it was one of Alford's early years. It was the first year with Luke Recker when Recker ended up getting hurt, and Pierre Pierce got suspended, and the team had all kinds of problems and ended up not being a very good basketball team. But um, um, So I guess it was probably the, the second year for Recker. And uh, they went down, and they beat Missouri ranked number one at the time, and I, I, I remember that was an incredible win that I won't forget much, uh, much of. And then, I, I, other than that, I think you've na- I think you've nailed most of the other ones that I had on my list. There was the UConn game, uh, the Chris Kingsbury game, up in the Great Alaska Shootout again in the semifinals. I think it went into overtime or double overtime, and they were very good at that point in time. And Iowa beat UConn 
with, with a great team of Kingsbury, Kenyon Murray, Jess Settles, that whole group up there as well. Did you have any well, others on the list? Well, I had uh, Virginia last year uh, early in the year as a, a trendsetter for how the season might turn out. And I had one game that we didn't win, but it was uh, is amongst the most memorable non-conference games, and that was Duke at Cameron, which was Chris Street's last game. Yep. There, and there was a Duke win in Hawaii, by the way. They did beat Duke in, like, the Hilo Classic uh, somewhere in there as well that I, I guess I did have on my list. But that, that loss at Duke, where Iowa played them very tough, I agree. Um, you know, it's hard to forget that that was Chris Street's last game. It's hard to forget how, well that, how good that team was and um, how that, that, that the career ended right there and right then. Well, that's our uh, Fifth Street Five, brought to you by Private Wealth Asset Management. They're there in uh, Valley Junction, but uh, trying to uh, promote all the great uh, stores and, and shops and restaurants there in Valley Junction on Fifth Street. So get down there and check it out, including G-Migs, which is where David's sitting tonight, and I'll be back next week. So we'll have a good time with that as well. You want to stop by on Tuesday night. Uh, we'll be there at 5 o'clock. Lord willing, right? We always, <laughs> we, we always, we always want to qualify that. But that's absolutely. Right. That's right, right? So, so we're um, nearing our last call time. Yeah. I have good what news. What do we do this week? Well, I have really good news. The Hawks are not going to lose football game this week. The bad news <laughs> okay. is they're also not going to score any points. So it seems very reminiscent of the previous five games, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a bye week. Well, that's true. I forgot that, Alan. That's right. It is a bye week. So we, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just go ahead and say that. And maybe we can get some rest. Maybe we can get some people back. Maybe we can fire a coach. You know, I, <laughs> right. I, 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 it would be nice to think the injury situation would get better. Um, you know, it's going to be tough going into Ohio State, so it, it, it's hard to expect a whole lot out of that. I have the 85 you know, Hawks, the other, and I think it would be tough going in there. Right. You know, I just wonder how differently our conversation would have gone this week if uh, the Illinois quarterback's elbow wasn't down and Riley Moss ends up returning that touchdown for that, that yeah. fumble for a touchdown and the Hawks win it, yeah. right? It would have been different. Well, that's the, that's the last point. You sign it off, bud. All right. Thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to everyone who came out here tonight, G-Megs. We'll be back next week on a Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 and 101.3, The Champ.